the good, the bad, the ugly. Welcome to Sustain Nutrition's podcast, Chewing the Cat. Joe and James will be discussing all things good, bad, and ugly regarding training and nutrition. So pull up your pants, put your best foot forward, and get ready for some serious oral pleasure. Here are your hosts, Joe and James. Sustain and nutrition. Chewing the fats. Episode seven. <laughs> I did that just to catch you up. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't know. Joe, we're speaking to the people today. Mm. We've got a few questions. We put our little question. Oh, you can hear fences trying to jump up on my lap. He's got a bit of a thing where as soon as you press record on the podcast, he, wake, he wakes up and just charges around and does so, nothing else. Time. Another thing about my dog. <laughs> our dog. <laughs> um, yeah, so we got a couple of uh, questions from a post that we put up in the private Facebook group, and then also some Instagram questions too. Ooh. So without further ado... We're so fancy. We're going to delve straight in. How many questions are there? Oh, we're going to cut it right down. <laughs> we're going to answer one of them. About six. Okay. And then we've got a couple of bonus ones from some people who piped in on the Facebook. I won't run too much though. No, whatever. Maybe. Right, first one was mindset to exercise. Hmm. Now, for me, this will come down to two things. Two things, y'all. One would be enjoyment of the exercise, and then the second one would possibly be leverage. So, obviously, enjoying the exercise means you're more likely to do it. Um, you're less likely to find excuses not to do it. Even if it's not optimal, I'd rather you did that. And then leverage would be um, having some kind of event that involved you having to train for it. So like a processed-based event. So say like a Tough Mudder, a 5K, a 10K, you know, uh, a walk, anything like that, which means that it's going to keep you focused and force you to train for that event is going to be more likely to keep you motivated. Mm, I think to expand on the leverage thing is sometimes just having something like that it depends on the kind of person you are. So if you've followed us for a while, you may have seen that I quite like the personality quiz devised by Gretchen Rubin. And a lot of people who we work with are obligers. So Explain means, what an obliger is, Joe. So an obliger is someone who doesn't work that well off their own devices, but they work really well to external accountability. So that means that if someone else tells them to do something, they're more likely to do it. So you often find this with mums who kind of put their families first rather than themselves, then, you know, they have issues from there which is why they come to us because we offer external accountability be really helpful so this can be used with exercise as well and you could do that with regards to having a friend who you exercise with because you won't want to let them down so you're more likely to then train and exercise with them or to do an event for a charity so you think if you're going to do a run for any charity that's close to you then you'll feel like you're letting them down if you don't do your best and raise as much money as possible yeah especially when you've collected the money it's just a definite kind of other source of accountability it's great to sign up for something that's kind of a level of leverage or accountability because you've signed up you've paid to be an event like say like a 5k or 10k or something like that but then if you're say you're doing it for charity then it's just another level of accountability i just say try new things as well so i had i think people sometimes fall into the trap of just doing something because they think it's best so i had a lady who did who was very overweight who did a lot of running lost a lot of weight but then 
it wasn't really working for her. She didn't really enjoy it that much. And she tried a strong woman class, which she absolutely loved. And it's just, it was her willingness to put herself outside of her comfort zone that was one of the reasons that she then found an exercise that she was she did enjoy. So it's all well and good saying, try things you enjoy, but the odds on there's going to be something out there that you haven't done that you do really enjoy. So try new things because they can be really good. Yeah, there's always going to be optimal kind of methods. Um, but then... If you're going to do those kind of sporadically, so say if you know following if lifting weights and doing some intervals is going to be the optimal way, but you hate doing it and you're only going to go once a week, then I'd rather you did Zumba, which is kind of going to be suboptimal for your goals. But if you're going to do that three times a week for six months, then that is still going to yield better results. So, kind of the mindset is you know looking forward to your sessions. Like personally, I love going Thai boxing. I look forward to going to that each week. Um, but then if I was like, all right, each week I have to go running, I would find every excuse under the sun to not go do it because I hate it. You're too, too heavy to run. I also, well, I also hate it because I'm not good at it. If I, really good, <laughs> if I could run three minute miles, I'd probably want to do it all the time. I'd probably run everywhere like, far as go. <laughs> right, moving on. Just quite a, a blanket statement here consistency. That was what someone said. Consistency. Just consistency. That was their biggest dieting struggle was consistency. Were they. Under some kind of time constraint, they were <laughs> writing their questions. We thought it was Twitter, and they only had 10, 10 words, 10 40, words, 40 characters. Okay, so how to achieve consistency? I would presume that? so. I don't think their issue is they're too consistent. I think, yeah, I think what you have to do is you have to try loads of different things and find what is going to be consistent for you. So, God, I could, I was thinking about this the other day, I could reel off. And I'm not going to because it would get boring. But the 10, oh God, more, 20 different things I've tried in regards to being consistent. So I've tried, you know, calorie counting on my fitness pal where I can move food around. I've tried having a cheat day once a week. I've tried having a little bit of something every day. I've tried having nothing for 17 weeks or nine weeks. No food whatsoever. Were you like... I, I was absolutely straight. I was like, I was like, I was like, Christi, I was like Christian Bale in The Machinist. But uh, 11 stone heavier. So the one that I found recently is, for me, is having a bit more flexibility so I can choose when I go off plan, but having my meals prepped, so four of my five meals are in the fridge ready to go every morning, then I know I only have one more meal to contend with. So it's just trying to find, and this is the thing you'll find, everyone's, all coaches will have their own little hacks, and these are the things that I recommend people to do because they've been so, so effective with me. Uh, I guess the next part of that is eating lots of nutritious food. So every meal I have is based around slow-release carbs, veg, protein, and I enjoy the meals. So I used to just have chicken, rice, veg with a bit of hot sauce and a bit of soy sauce, but having that and sweet potato mash and bolognese, James has probably seen me 10,000 times. (laughs) But I found now that I cook on a Sunday and I do a joint of meat and then three slow-cooker meals, roughly. So I have a different meal for every meal. So even though I'm having five meals a day, they're different, and I find that that works for me, and that, well, so far, this is the longest I've probably been consistent in a long time. So it's just trying to find what works for you, and I think people think there's going to be, I'll try this and it'll work, or they do something for a week and go, that's me, I've got this. That changes all the time for me. I can be super focused for a month, and then I need to go to something more relaxed, and then I can find some kind of middle ground. So don't expect that you're going to have this one way of eating for the rest of your life. Just pick times when you're going to push a bit harder, pick times when you're going to relax, and then try and find a middle ground as well. So it's having a full range of strategies that you can employ at different times. Yeah, I know. Sorry, James, if you stop watching, your phone got any juice left. Unbelievable. I think you ran out of battery 10 minutes ago. 
Yeah. If anyone's still listening. <laughs> <laughs> for me, for consistency, then uh, kind of picking up from the one thing that I actually heard Joe say there, <laughs> was make it as enjoyable as possible, and then don't make it too hard or too far removed from what you're doing right now. You know, if people struggle to be consistent because they just set off at a pace that is too unrealistic for them, so always kind of come back to comparing, you know, kind of dieting like going for a run or, you know, running a marathon, if you set off at a sprinter's pace, there's no way you're going to keep that pace consistently. Yeah, for more than a mile. Yeah, you're going to end up walking, going backwards, keeling over, having a heart attack. Going backwards, I think. No, no. <laughs> Falling backwards. Um so yeah, setting off a, a reasonable pace and making sure that the whole process is enjoyable. You know, eating foods that you enjoy, that you look forward to eating, not that it's uh, an absolute chore. There's always going to be a few meals that are a bit like, eh. Yeah, you can't have everything to yeah, be, you're not gonna be a taste sensation, can you? Yeah. It's not like Instagram where you're going to be eating ice cream pizza sundaes because um, that's just not realistic. Yeah, I think everyone expects to, to be motivated all the time, don't they? And ultimately, sometimes it's just getting it done. So... No, I just had a meal of, you know, curry with rice and veg, and it wasn't the most delicious meal I've ever had. But there's a level that I did still enjoy it. So it's trying to find that balance. And it's over balance. now. Yeah. Yes. Right. Moving on. Um, fish and veg. So someone who mainly eats fish and veg, they don't eat any meat. How can they keep their protein up without eating? And they said processed food in brackets corn. Now for me. I always sound like corn goes through a kind of a processing, but it's actually like it's fungal based. Mm. It's a it's a kind of mushroom, so it just depends on what you class as processing. It's not like it's mm, yeah, kind of made in a in a lab like Dolly the sheep <laughs> or something from the fly. It's you know still a protein. I mean, just for me for corn, it's just uh, it's very low calories, pretty low protein. So it's just not very filling. You have to get. I think one of our the fundamentals of, of what we recommend to people is you just have to get protein in to A, maintain your muscle mass and B, make dieting easier. Yeah. So for people who don't appreciate this, you have active tissue, you have different ways of burning calories. So you've got your basal metabolic rate, you know, how much, how many calories your body burns a day. You've got exercise, you've got non-exercise, you've got the thermic effect of food. So there's different ways that you can burn more calories. The one that you have kind of the most control over is your exercise. So someone like me and James who are 100 kilos of rather a large amount of muscle mass will burn so many calories because of that. So looking after that muscle mass is absolutely vital if you are trying to lose weight. Because if your muscle mass goes down, you burn less calories, which then means you can't eat as much or you have to eat even less to lose weight. So if there's one thing you're going to look at when you start a diet, it's maintaining the amount of muscle mass you've got and not giving it up. So obviously it's hard for vegetarians. So, corn may be slightly processed, it may have its drawbacks, but you just need it. So, if you're struggling to find a way to get a protein in, and corn is that the tipping point, then add it in. But I'd say for that, you know, she does say that she eats fish, mm. so obviously there's a variety of fish and seafood out there. But then other options are going to be your pulses, so beans and lentils, etc. The only obviously drawback with those is they come with quite a high kind of carb hit as well. Um, so they're going to be kind of lower on the protein, but you're going to take in a lot of carbs to get your protein requirement. But then I'd say another alternative there would be dairy for me. Yeah, massively. I think I think I used to keep keep away from it because you'd get people having a meal of yogurt and you go, well, that's not really that filling. But if you're struggling to get enough protein in, then you need to kind of make 
make do really and ultimately supplements yeah there's always supplements and dairy are going to be the easiest way to do it because you know everyone likes flavoured yoghurt don't they so yeah an easy way to do it would be through through different supplements as well you know if you're a vegan then you've got loads of different options with regards to pea, hemp, soy I'm trying to think of any other ones off the top of my head probably not beef and I was going to say beef no <laughs> definitely not beef so there are different options out there it's just a case of trial and error because some of them you know, there's not as much money behind them so you do tend to find that the taste range won't be as good because they're just not as popular so people haven't invested as much into it uh, no, moving on uh, we had a young lady who was worried about her stomach never being the same after having two children right now you know your body's always going to be changing it's always going to be going through and things are going to get harder as you get older and the idea that you're going to bounce back to kind of looking how you did when you were 17, 18 is probably not that realistic. No. You've got to kind of appreciate what your body's been through by actually growing two tiny humans. <laughs> maybe, la- not, maybe not that tiny. Yeah, I'm going to say larger humans if you're mine and Joe's mother. We don't have the same mother, but we each have our own mothers. <laughs> um, and just kind of, you know I mean? You can always, you can just be the best version of you that you can be. I would say there's always kind of ways to improve you know just because you're not going to look exactly how you did when you're 18 does that mean that you shouldn't attempt to improve probably look a bit weird if you had kids to be honest if you stayed looking 18 like me mm, kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think to give um, a more scientific less wishy-washy answer than James just gave I think it was wishy-washy I is, think it was, uh, appreciate what you've got it, was, it was an excellent answer James Anyway, <laughs> what you'll find is if you are, you know, your skin will, will stretch and will adjust according to pregnancy or as you gain weight. And then ultimately, over time, your skin will adjust back. But to the degree that it will adjust back is going to be a lot based on genetics and just individual luck. Some people, their skin will go back Edge. to normal. Other people won't. It depends how long you've been pregnant or overweight for. It depends, you know, how fast you've lost the weight. If it bothers you that much then you know ultimately having cosmetic surgery would be your only answer to to actually solving that problem though if that if it was that bigger issue to you mm. but for most people it's probably not going to be that big a problem i would have said i just say appreciate what your body's been through wear it as a badge of honor <laughs> but there's always room for improvement which kind of ties in into slightly into the next question, which is, is age just a number when it comes to training, or should you adjust your training accordingly? You should do more weights if you're an older woman. Everyone should do more weights, mm. but it's even more paramount as an aging lady, or just, well, as any Aged? Woman, any woman, just be, due to the kind of the higher risk of osteoporosis, which is obviously your brittle bones... Yeah, and you're diminishing muscle mass as you age. Yeah, so everyone's kind of hormonal profiles will change as you get older. Pretty much kind of 25. I know it's 25 for men. This is the kind of the tipping point. Is it not 30? I don't know. Have I just convinced myself it's 30 because I'm getting there? there. I think it's uh, 32, actually. I think it's 25. I think it's usually kind of your peak, and then it's a, a steady decline. So you start losing lean muscle mass from there, and then particularly the ladies with the adjusting, is it the progesterone or is it estrogen that mm. robs... Anyway, you'll start um, or become more likely to develop osteoporosis as you get older. So weight-bearing exercises like resistance training are key for preventing that. Yes, I think it's the 
I guess the defining factor isn't more age, it's effort, isn't it? Mm. Is that you see, you know, it's, it's on the internet now, isn't it? And it's on the interweb with you, people who are, you know, these deadlifting grannies and these pensioners doing pull-ups and then, you know, your body's capable of incredible feats and ultimately the biggest limiter we see on people isn't age, but effort. So and mindset. Which I guess would probably co- coincide. And some people are born with ability to kind of push themselves really hard, other people struggle more with it. But this is where, for me, tracking your training is so important because you can always ensure you're progressing. Even if it's only small progressions, if you progress once every two weeks over the course of three years, there's a huge amount of progression you can get in regards to strength or speed or how long you plank for or balancing on WEG. On one on one, on one but, but there's so many different ways that you can try to improve. And the bigger issue isn't as people age, but it's just tracking their training. I think for me, you know, I'm so keen on that because I just think it has such a big difference. So whether you're 18 or 80, write down what you're doing and try and get a bit better. Yeah, you might not make the same progress as an 18-year-old makes with the, kind of the strength gains, but you'll still make progress. So, yeah, I say go for it. Hmm. So we'll, we've got one more killer question, but we're going to save that for last. Right. We'll move on to a couple of bonus ones. A couple of people kind of piped up on the Facebook group um, questions with some advice which was a little bit dubious for me. Right. So we're just going to break it down. So when people had asked advice on... Into a wrap? Yeah. It's kind of sounds like we were going to take that. <laughs> um, one of them suggested having... For the, the question where the woman was struggling with protein sources, they suggested having nuts as a protein source. Now, nuts contain protein, but very similar to as I alluded to with the vegetarian sources of protein... They come with a massive whack of fat. A delicious, juicy amount of fat. Yeah. Yes. So for every kind of 100 grams of nuts that you're going to have, you're going to get maybe about 20 grams of protein, which is okay. Yeah. But you're also going to get about 50 grams of fat. Not so okay. Yeah. So just <laughs> uh, a gram of protein four calories. A gram of fat is nine calories. Oh, he's getting all mathsy. Yeah, so Joe could do the maths on that. So basically, you have to take in a massive amount of excess calories um, to get a protein portion. So yes, they contain protein, but would I advise them for taking having it as a protein? No, definitely not. Hundred not gram- if weight or weight loss is your fucking yeah. primary objective. A hundred grams of chicken will have about twenty five, thirty grams of protein. Yeah. So that you're looking at about one hundred and thirty calories. Happy days. 100 grams of nuts will have a similar amount of protein in. But as James mentioned, because of all that fat, you're looking at 600 calories. So you've got to take in an extra 450 calories to get your 20 grams of protein. That is not a good I'll trick. just let that sink in. <laughs> so you are taking in 500 more calories than you need. And also, has that person ever tried to eat 100 grams of nut butter? <laughs> like, don't get it's me wrong. It's delicious. I am, I am not shy of a good overindulgence here and there, but that is... A serious amount of peanut butter to get through, isn't it? Does Nutella count as peanut butter? Um, I think if you mix the two, it's the good fats Some blending together. Scoffy <laughs> spread. So that is a no for us. Um, then another one, another person on the same post then recommended someone that they googled green vegetables because they were also high protein. Now, similar kind of thing. <laughs> they do contain protein, but I had to Google to get my numbers right. So spinach has 2.9 grams of protein. 2.9, you 2. say? 2.9 grams of protein per 100 grams. 
<laughs> so a massive bag of spinach is about 300 grams so you'd need about a kilo of spinach uncooked to get 29 grams of protein which is similar to one scoop of whey <laughs> or 100 grams of chicken breast yeah that's a lot of spinach now I appreciate if somebody said to me you know spinach does simmer down into a smaller portion I would agree with that however a kilo of spinach is going to be well it'll be filling (laughs) (laughs) and it's the same with broccoli as well broccoli is very similar it's got slightly less protein but you need to eat about three and a half full heads of broccoli to get around 28 grams of protein and the only issue is as well it's going to be dog dirt protein it's going to be super hard for your body to assimilate and digest because of the amino acids it's not going to be a full amino profile no so kind of what we mean by that is uh, whey protein is about 120 on the scale. I think eggs are 100. Yeah, they're, not, they're both considered complete forms of protein, aren't they? Yeah, so the amino acids are kind of the building blocks of protein. They're like the bricks. And then when you put those together, you put them together in the correct order, then it's very easy for the body to use them. Whereas vegetable proteins tend to be bits and bats of each other. Uh, and it doesn't mean that your body can completely assimilate it. Sometimes you'll have to have combinations, so you'll have to eat like a certain combination of different foods like I think whole meals and beans and stuff like that kind of kind of fit together to make that wall so I've just done a, a very quick Speaking Google the microphone joke, I've done a very quick Google here so if you look at leucine which is seen as the anabolic trigger so basically it turns your body into a it will, it will process sorry it will increase muscle protein synthesis so if you take leucine on your body can store build muscle Oh, we're geeking out now. So, same weight, broccoli to steak. You get 36 milligrams of leucine in an ounce of broccoli and 646 milligrams of leucine in an ounce of steak. So about a 20th. And it's similar for the rest of the numbers as well, looking at um, the different amino acids. So whilst it does have a similar amount of protein if you eat 10 times the amount, you, you, know, you, you need 10 times the amount as well to get the right amino acids in. It's the same thing. There's that meme that goes around, which kind of says like you get the same amount of protein from a hundred um, calories of steak as you do from a hundred calories of broccoli. But a hundred calories of broccoli is like twenty times the amount of yeah, the steak. An impossibly large amount to eat. So, and this is kind of, I guess, kind of the issue with if it fits your macros is people can, you know you can make the numbers say whatever you want, but ultimately it's not going to give you very good balance, or it may not give you very good balance. It won't give you very good balance. No one's going to eat a kilo of broccoli either. So that was just, I just wanted to get that off my chest because this is kind of like a bit of the misinformation that you get, you know, people come around and start saying stuff and then you get really confused. Like I had one of my clients who said they saw a post where, and it's the same kind of thing, porridge was a protein source. Now again, like oats contain protein, I think it's about 18 grams per 100 or something like that. But then the amount of carbohydrates you have to take in, you're Googling it. I'm interested. The amount of carbohydrates you have to take in to get to that portion of protein it's just not worth it whatsoever what we got it says 17 oh, here close. 400 calories see that's quite that is a lot isn't it yeah, I think it's, I think it's got lot. like 9 grams of fat in as well or yeah, something. Yeah. 7 100%. grams of fat that is a lot that's an awful lot but 66% carbohydrate so if you're looking for a scoop of whey protein equivalent of oats you need 150 grams I eat 130 grams that is a lot of oats <laughs> yeah, lot. People so are I not... normally have about 90 to 100 yeah so it's just you know, me and you, especially me, have got big appetites. It's just an impossible amount of protein, an impossible amount of oats to eat to get the protein in. 
So, yeah, it does work, but no one's going to do it. So, just read the labels and just kind of take... If you look at the nutrition on them, then look at what is the highest number as to that is what it is. Whether if that's if it's got 50% carbs in, 20% protein, it's carbs. If it's got 50% fats in, 10% protein, like chia seeds, um, then it's going to be a fat sauce. So, saving the best to last. If you're in a rush, you might want to skip this part because this is going to go on for a while. Really? We've already gone on for a while. <laughs> what time are we on? Oh, we got oh it's midnight. <laughs> I've got a train to catch. We'll have to go to bed. What are the most common mistakes that we see? Oh, is this where you asked this? Yeah. Well, we had a, not a disagreement, but I think that we... Oh, we have a disagreement. You just, I wasn't we had a little it. scuffle. <laughs> I wasn't putting it in a necessary order, but we'll just reel off lots of issues that we see. Oh, so the biggest... The things that I would recommend people do that have the biggest negative impact is they don't plan their meals... So that could be cooking them in advance or just writing down what you're going to have and they don't eat enough veg. That's how I could, I could summarise it there. If you do those two things, you will probably lose weight. Yeah, I think for me, more kind of mindset is people being unrealistic about what they're going to do with the effort that they're putting in and then getting too easily frustrated and losing focus. So maybe having one week where they feel they don't lose enough weight, whatever that means, or maybe they don't lose any weight, and then feeling that that is a sign to quit after like three weeks after, you know, 10, 12, 15 years of being unhappy about the work. Just go over that first one again, because you, you said something about they don't get the results for the effort they put in. Yeah, so, so a lot of people will kind of like often be like, well, you know, they'll have, say, a bad day and they'll make some choices that they're not entirely happy with. But then they'll justify that by saying, but this is much better than what it would have been. So I had, you know, a pizza and a bottle of wine. But this is much better than before because I'd have had a pizza, a bottle of wine, a dessert, and then I'd have had another half bottle of wine. So that's great. That is an improvement. But then you've got to be realistic that you still had a pizza and a bottle of wine and you're not necessarily going to get the results that you would have got had you not had that meal. You find people on different thresholds, don't you? So I could show you people who you would think would have a really easy time losing weight and they're really good, they do all the right training, they adjust their programs the way that I would advise, they're consistent and they lose weight really, really slowly. You have other people who are already petite, who eat loads of crap, who don't train right, who still lose weight really quickly. Now, that is just tough shit if you are on the end of that scale where you have to work really hard. And so they're often the people who get most frustrated because they have a small blip and they don't get the reward they feel they deserve. But control the controllables. You can only control what's in front of you. You can't control your individual genetic makeup. That's been set for quite a long time. What you can control is the food that goes in your mouth and the exercise that you do. So just work on what you can work on and try and improve those things. Some people have to sacrifice a lot to get results. Some people won't. But again, you can't control that. So just suck it up and crack on really, isn't it? And if it's important enough to you, find a way. Yeah, I think, you know, be realistic about your kind of your approach and what you're going to get from it. Um, planning, finding solutions. Oh, that's, that's the word that's going through my head, solutions. Yeah, finding solutions to your problems. The people who are most successful at fat loss are the ones who, they have a problem and they find a solution. I think you could probably summarise the question with this, actually, because everything comes down to this, isn't it? And the people who struggle the most are the ones who have a closed mindset who yep. just say, this is how it is, end of story. I'm going away this weekend. I can't eat any better. I struggle every weekend. There's always I can't think of anything else to do. There's always a way, isn't there? What's that book? Who's the bloke called? The Marine. 
Jocko. Uh, Jocko. Jocko Willink. What's his book called? Do you remember? Um, I'll find it on my order. Own, complete ownership? No. Something ownership. Something on ownership. But his his idea extreme is ownership. Extreme ownership, thank you. I just I got into Audible. Is that everything is your fault. You can control absolutely everything. And he said if you're in an environment where people point the finger and he was using an example for the military and saying you know, if he'd stood up in a meeting and said the reason this operation didn't go as planned was because of this guy, he'd have stood up and blamed someone else, he'd have stood up and blamed someone else, and the cycle never ends. And you get this with people in that there's just endless finger pointing of, of who's to blame. Whereas if you stand up and say, I did this wrong, then in that situation, someone else stands up and goes, yeah, he did, but I did this wrong, I did this wrong. You create this, uh, this atmosphere of, of ownership, of taking responsibility for your actions, and those are the people that are most successful because those are the ones that find solutions. And ultimately, the more solutions you find, the better you're going to do. Yeah, I think just as a, a quick example off the top of my head is kind of real common ones like theme parks, something like that, when people say, like, go away, and they're just like, I went out for the day, there was no suitable food, so I ended up having hot dog chips, and ice cream, you know, a burger, and candy floss. Mm. Now, you know, that is ultimately your fault. It's not the theme park's fault for not catering to you know, your nutritional needs. That's your fault for either kind of not taking your own food or not knowing where you where and when you were going to eat or, you know, not being able to make a better choice whilst you're there. You have to take ownership for that. And that's fine. I think that can come across as people being told off. But oh. you just have to accept sometimes that there's going to be situations where it's not optimal. But it is still down to you, isn't it? So you just have to say, that's fine. Or you can limit what you have. Yeah. There's no problem eating candy floss, hot dogs and stuff like that. Yeah. As long as you're realistic about your results and what it's going to do. I love a bit of candy floss. Yeah. Me too. Must, <laughs> must, mustard and ketchup or one or the other. Not any, not any candy, oh, candy floss. floss. <laughs> I, I like to bump the calories of my candy floss by putting a hot dog in it. <laughs> so, to, so to speak. Excuse the pun. <laughs> mustard and ketchup. I think that'll do us because that's like three minutes now. <laughs> Oh, if you got to this we'll give you a free session uh, no right <laughs> so yes I believe that is our Q&A over if you have any questions comments anything you want us to speak about then you can stick them below in the comment section um, you can find us on iTunes subscribe if you want to keep up to date if you've got a friend shut up loads of times to kill tag <laughs> leave us a review <laughs> tag in this if you want to come down and get involved with a podcast then you can maybe see a he's currently chewing one of my old socks as long as you can talk for half an hour I'll stop yes yeah, so thank you very much enjoy your day hope you found this useful I know I did how good I got myself an hour